Good morning. I'm Elizabeth Kosick, and I have been asked to do announcements because Randall's out of town, who normally does them. Um, I just have to say, though, there's some heavy stuff, but are you so thankful that you have vintage to come to? Right? Like, I can't really imagine doing this life without you people and Steve. So that was awesome. Um, Okay, so if you are a guest this morning, we welcome you. Um, If you are on the left side of the row, there's a basket, and if you want to pass it down, if you're new this morning or visiting this morning, there's a Connect card in there. Just fill it out if you don't mind. Or if you're not signed up for um, the Vintage Email Blast yet, this is the way to get signed up for the Vintage Weekly Newsletter is by putting your email on here. Um, And then in the back, we have a hospitality team back there, and they have a little gift for you. It's a secret. It's not really a secret. It's on the screen. But it may or may not be one of those right there, but it's good. It's not a Yeti quality, but it's vintage quality, which is second best. And and good enough, right? (laughs) Better than Yeti. Better, yes. Better than Yeti. Um, so that's for you if you are visiting this morning and just fill out your Connect card. Um, if you are not connected with us yet on social media, you can connect with us where Vintage242 is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and then also make sure that, that you're signed up for the Vintage Weekly because there's not time to always say everything that we need to say this morning. For our announcements this morning, we have um, Ladies' Night coming up on Thursday. We're going bowling. Come with us, even if you do not bowl. I do not bowl. 75 is like my max score ever at bowling. So please just come. It's not about skill. It's about just hanging out and having fun together. So um, come. And if you don't want to bowl at all, you don't even have to bowl. You can just come and eat. There's a full menu at Stars and Strikes. I'm sure it's like four-star quality food. And there's also um, a drink menu that I'm probably not about allowed to announce, but there is one. So just if you want to know that. Coca-Cola products there, Elizabeth. Yes, it's all Coca-Cola products. That's right. Sprite. Um, so, but, but seriously, come. It's $9.99, $9.99 if you want to come and bowl. And that's an hour of bowling. Um, and a game card so we can take each other down on the video games after we bowl. <laughs> they said they were like, you get a game card. I'm like, woohoo, that's awesome. But we do get one. So come and just come and fellowship and, and hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, but we do need you to sign up because we're supposed to reserve how many lanes we need for that night. So if you go to vintage242.com under events. Um, on the brand new awesome website, then you can sign up if you're planning on bowling. If you're not sure and you just want to come hang out, you don't have to sign up. We don't need to know. You can just show up. But if you're going to bowl, let us know and come bowl. Um, next is the Village Boys Star Wars Lock-In is this Friday night. My son is in fifth grade. He's super excited about this, Super, which is a big deal for me because he doesn't get excited about much. But he's excited about this, um, which who wouldn't be? It's Star Wars. It's third through fifth grade boys are welcome, 7 p.m. to 9 a.m., so lock-in time. And they're going to be doing food, crafts, games, everything Star Wars related. I think they're watching clips of the movies, and there's going to be all kinds of fun symbolism with, um, yeah, good spiritual stuff playing to the movies. So that's going to be awesome. Suggested donation is $10 if you can. And sign up online for that, too, so they can prepare for our kids. Again, Vintage242.com events. Also, coming up next week to church Nope. Yep. Next Sunday, August 20th, you can come hungry because the youth are doing a Guatemala fundraiser. And so I think what it is is, let's see. Yeah, 15 of our youth are going to Guatemala. We have two missionaries there, Greg and Alicia, who are amazing. And they run an orphanage there. Um, 
and a school. And so our youth are going to go down and work with them. I had the opportunity to go to Guatemala last summer, and it's life-changing. It's amazing. And Greg and Alicia are completely awesome people. So our youth are going to go on a trip, but they need help with their funds. So you can come next week, and in the Vintage parking lot, you can buy, let me see, breakfast items after this service. So you can get yourself some breakfast, and after the second service, they're going to be doing hot dogs and hamburgers. So come support our kids. And then also coming up, this is the last thing. On August 25th, there is a um, Grand Gala, Shepherd's Rest, first annual Grand Gala. Shepherd's Rest is the um, battered women's and, and children's shelter that we partner with at Vintage, and it's in Paulding County. It's an amazing ministry. Um, and so they're doing a fundraiser at Rose Hall Event Center on the 25th of August. And tickets are $65 per person. It all goes to Shepherd's Rest. It's going to be a really, really nice gala event. If you have a business that wants to sponsor, there's corporate sponsorships available, and it's just a really great cause. So if you're in a fancy mood, put it towards a good cause and come do that. Thank you so much. All right. And those were definitely Yeti-worthy announcements. Good job, Elizabeth. <laughs> no, seriously, man, thank you for doing that. And we are uh, literally excited about everything that God is doing at Vintage. How many of you would say this is just like a show of hands or you can like get excited and shout if you want to but like the god you're in a unique season of god speaking and teaching and moving you into new places uh, right anybody just would you know it's so it's really interesting the things that god is doing and you know I, i'm very excited um you know randall actually got away for five days it was one of those it wasn't by choice i basically made her go and I said, babe, it's time for you to get away. You need to just, you need to go and, and just be with Jesus. And I said, if I find you a free place at the beach, will you go? She said, yes. And uh, so in 30 minutes, God opened up a door for that, and she went. And, um, you know, we've been talking while she's been gone. And yeah, I just invite you to be, continue to pray for her. It's been amazing. Um, it's been amazing. Just the things that God's been speaking and, and doing. Sorry, as a, as a husband, you know, it's one of those things you just want to see. Your family and extended family really thrive, and and uh, so it's been really cool the things that God's been doing, and and I would say that in the context of that, as I spend time in prayer, um, I really sense God stirring. And so what I want to say to you, just very simply, is if you're not aware of the stirring, then just invite the Lord to awaken you to it. It's real simple. Not to feel bad, not to feel guilty, right? I don't see, I don't, uh, I'm not seeing what they're seeing, right? You know, like, remember that back in the day when someone's like, I saw something, I didn't see it, where is it? And you're kind of freaking out, feeling bad. Like, if you're not seeing the Lord, it's fine. Just ask Him now. Say, God, yeah, I just release the condemnation and the guilt, and I just ask God that you would awaken my eyes, Lord, to the things that you're stirring and around me and in me that I'm not aware of, God, because I truly, God, I want to experience you. God, I I want to see you, and God, I, I want to be changed by you, and I want to be used powerfully by you. So it's a real simple prayer, and ask the Lord to do that this morning. Again, no hype around it. Just just ask. Um, the Lord loves to, I don't know if you know this, but the Lord loves to reveal himself and um, show you himself. And he never plays hide-and-seek with the plan of winning. He plays hide-and-seek with the idea of being caught, right? He hides in plain view for us to see him. That's what he does. He never wants to win and hide and seek. And so if you're in a season of like, oh my gosh, God's hiding from me. It's like, 
no, I'm over here. He's rustling something. He's going to listen because he wants to be found and wants to be heard. And, and uh, so I just invite you into that. All right. Let's dive in this morning. So if you read your newsletter, which I encourage you, you know, we're going to dive back into Second Chronicles 16.9 this morning, uh, looking at King Asa. And honestly, I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to go ahead and tell you because you're, some of you are going to go, this sounds just like last week. And I'm going to basically say, I'm going to basically share the same message I shared last week with some different terminology, okay? And Because I feel like that's the word the Lord in season. So it's going to look a little bit different. It's going to sound a little bit different. I'm going to talk about a few different things. But ultimately, just letting you know in advance, if you just want to take a nap, right? Just ask the Lord to speak to you while I, while I speak, right? It's like, man, God wants to move in power through you. I think some, we get in his way. He can't. And so we need to humble ourselves. It's real simple. That's what we're going to look at this morning as we compare, not a super deep comparison, but kind of look at a couple different, one specific phrase that was similar to a couple of different kings, King Asa and King Hezekiah. And, uh, and then in that, we're going to see kind of a different picture of what's going on with them. So, so, the, act, so the, the focus of our attention last week was on the tragedy we said of King Asa. And we said the tragedy in that it's a story that's a tragedy. We all understand these, these tragedy stories, right? The idea of something happens, we learn from them so we don't make the same mistakes again. And so with Asa, we said early in life he lived by faith. He trusted God in all things. God brought prosperity in his life. God brought prosperity in his leadership as king. But towards the end of his life... He pulled back, and we are told that even in, in this disease that he got in his feet, even in that moment, Asa never turned back to God, never, never, never returned back to a light. Hear this: never returned back to a lifestyle of trust and faith in the Lord as a primary component of who he was. He probably still went to church. He probably still prayed his prayers. He still, still probably sang, the, sang the, the, the songs of worship that David had written, the Psalms. He probably did all of those good churchy things, right? But his heart was not turned back in a lifestyle of devotion and a surrender and of complete humility before the Lord. He, he was not in a place of complete trust in God for joy, for satisfaction, for fulfillment and for provision in his life. He did not live the lifestyle. He had turned away from that, was kind of living in his own strength, living in his own power, living in his own goodness, kind of doing his own thing. And so in this moment, right, the primary verse we looked at was the was Second Chronicles 16, 9. It says, for the eyes of the Lord, they, loot, they range, they move throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I don't want you to miss that phrase, right? Hearts, fully committed that's the phrase this morning because you see the exact same phrase in the life of Hezekiah. Last week I said, go read the life of Hezekiah. Really probably the most faithful and obedient king of all the kings you read about in First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles, right? The most faithful for his entire life of all of the kings. It says there was none before, none after him who ever surpassed him, right? Here's this guy. And so he gets sick to the point of death. And, and then you can go read it yourself. I'm going to read this one verse. It says, he comes to the Lord, right? In his crossroad moment where Asa turned to the right and kind of went his own direction. Hezekiah turned back to the left. And in verse 3 of Second Kings 20 says this, Now, O Lord... And I want you to hear this verse. This is, man, this is, this is powerful. It's convicting. And a, like, here, press pause. Really, look at me real quick. So when I say conviction, a lot of you who grew up in the church, you think about all of your sin and how bad you are. That's what you think of. 
conviction. You're like, oh, under the weight of God's this conviction. And it's such a true statement. But conviction is a gift. Conviction says this isn't right. In fact, it's wrong. And you need to be convicted of what's right and wrong. Convicted of what's wrong so you can choose right. Conviction's a beautiful gift. It comes with a weight, but it's a gift from the Lord to go, oh, I probably shouldn't go down the path that has a bridge out in it. It's going to send me careening off a ravine. I have a conviction that's not the right path. I should probably turn on that path and go back the other direction. That's conviction of truth, right? And so as we read this further, it's going to be a conviction showing us the, the ravine, right, with the bridge out so we can turn back around. So we see it in Hezekiah says, now, O oh Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. Like Hezekiah is saying, you've seen my entire life, God. You've seen my faithfulness. You've seen my whole heart, and then you've seen that I have done what is right in your sight. We're going to talk about some of this in a minute, right? But the thing I want you to see is this. The phrase that we want to focus on this morning is taken, it's the same phrase from both of these stories, from both verses. In Chronicles, it's hearts fully committed, and in Hezekiah, it's whole heart. So fully committed heart and whole heart are the exact same phrase in both of these scriptures to describe the heart of both king. One who, listen, listen, the, the Lord looks for a whole heart and you don't have one, Asa. Hezekiah says, listen, with confidence, I'm telling you, I have a whole fully committed heart before the Lord. My heart, I'm highly confident. God, as you look at me, you know I've been faithful and my heart's been fully committed. So we'll look at this phrase this morning, whole heart or fully committed heart, okay? So the, the phrase is made up of two different parts. The first one, heart equals lebab, right, in, in the Hebrew, L-E-B-A-B, lebab. And the whole slash fully committed is shalem. And so what we're talking about here is a shalem lebab. Everybody say shalem lebab. I just like those Hebrew words, so I wanted to use them this morning because it's just fun to say, Shalem Lebab, right? So it's really, really cool. No, this is the phrase that we're talking about this morning, heart, Lebab, whole, holy, holy, Shalem. So what we're getting at is this, this reality of this phrase is integral and integral to, to, to both of these kings. This idea of having a fully committed, a whole heart before the Lord. In both of these kings, we recognize God is looking for a shalem lebab, a whole or fully committed heart, right? We know Asa did not have this, and Hezekiah expresses confidence that he has lived with a whole heart before the Lord. So let's focus on this phrase this morning. So the idea of whole slash fully committed, or the word shalem, this idea of commitment, what is it's not speaking to a person who never, ever sins in their life and lives in complete perfection like Jesus did. That's not the point. The point instead speaks about our hearts. This is the important part. Not being divided in our allegiance. Not being divided in our allegiance. 
And so in the context of the life of Hezekiah, Hezekiah was a human being. He had his moments. He had his failings. He had his failures. He had those moments where he stumbled, stumbled, and he fell into sin. Why? Because he was a human being, right? But his heart, he was able to say, but I'm confident I was fully committed. I have been fully committed to you, which gives me confidence because what I'm hearing this say is this idea of being fully committed means to not be divided in allegiance Not in the context of never wrestling with and struggling with temptation or even falling into sin. But what it speaks to is in those moments, right? In those moments, my allegiance is so towards God that I'm awake to my sin. I have recognized I've been going on the path. I'm about to fall into the ravine. I say, God, forgive me. And as I'm literally falling in the ravine, I say, God, I should not have done this. I'm sorry. All of a sudden, I find myself back up on the tracks going the other direction. Oh, how'd that happen? Oh, because you're God. Right? That's the nature of repentance and the power of forgiveness. He puts us back. We're like falling in the ravine. Oh, right? Maybe, have you ever like fallen in your dreams? Right? You ever fallen in your dreams? Like, I'll just say real quickly, I've learned. Like, they say, if you fall and you, and you land, you'll die. You'll die in real life. Like, I just learned in my dreams to land. Like, I just go, I'll be falling. Oh. I'll just land this and I'll start fluttering my hands and I'll land. I've literally done it all. I do that about once a month in my dreams, right? Because I recognize the power of God, even in my dreams. God, I'm just going to land this with you. Ooh, and I land, right? It's like, huh, and I keep on. That's a true story, right? And so there's this nature of it. This is going to land. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm going back the path with the Lord. And so this idea of having not being divided in our allegiance, God has to be our only God. God has to be the only God. We can't place our focus. Hear this. We can't place our focus, our affections, or attention primarily on another source for joy, for satisfaction, for life, for provision, right? We can't look partly to God, but doubting him, look partly to another source to meet any of my needs in our lives that should have its source in him. Asa did not perfectly trust the delivering hand of God. In the moment, right, he's diseased. He's like, duh. And rather than turn, he trusted self. He, he said, he probably, listen, my guess is he probably threw out some prayer. Oh, God, where are you? You need to come heal me. I'm sure he prayed something along those lines, but then ultimately turned over here wholeheartedly to say, but the physicians, I'll do this. I don't really know, but I, but he was a good, he was a good, like, good king and had been a part of church his entire life, probably threw a prayer out every now and then, right? But ultimately his heart was towards his own abilities. The things that he knew, the things that he understood, he looked somewhere else other than God to bring provision, to bring life, to bring joy, to bring healing, to bring restoration. Like he was, you can't be divided in that. Like if you've read the emails from Tammy and I will, I will, you know, she has this quote from Tozer this week, man, that it's like on Facebook. I encourage you to look at it. Basically, it's like, man, faith is the idea of putting ourselves in the boat of God with no alternate plan. <laughs> like, he's the only boat that I'm in. I don't, I can't, like, listen, how many of you have ever tried to put your feet in two boats? They do this, right? You have to have your feet in one boat. Just, that's the nature of faith. That's the nature of trusting God. That's the nature, right, of a heart undivided in its allegiance. That I put my foot totally in the God boat saying, you're my only, you're my only chance, God. I'm not going to look anywhere else. I'm not going to live divided in my allegiance. So that's this idea of shalim, right? Shalim is not being divided in our allegiance. The idea of heart. 
the Hebrew, listen, you all, like, for us, when we say heart now, in, like in songs or stuff, you usually, I usually mean feelings. I usually mean my emotions, right? The word heart, Labob, is used over 860 times in the Old Testament. In the book of wisdom, it's used over 100 times. The book of Proverbs, it's used over 100 times. In Ecclesiastes, it's used like 50 times, right? So in our culture, we speak of the heart, and we usually mean our feelings and our emotions. However, in the Old Testament, this is important when they use this word. So holy, holy committed, right? An undivided heart. It's speaking in the Old Testament to the center, the very center of humanity, the very essence of our mind, the very essence of our will, and the very essence of our emotion. So when we say heart in the Old Testament, biblically, it's literally talking about your mind, it's talking about your will, and talking about your emotions all together. Think of it as the control center of our very being. The heart is the seat of our passions and our emotions, so love, pleasure, grief, but also includes all of the intellectual factors faculties of the mind. So they would use the heart to speak about their thinking, their thoughts, and their mind. They would speak about their heart to deal with all of their emotions. They would speak about their heart, talk about their will to decide and to make things happen and to do things, right? So the heart speaks to the essence. This is important. The heart speaks to the true essence of who you actually are. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but your physical is temporal. Like, Doug has a killer beard. Everybody would agree with this, right? Like, I played flag football with him this fall. He's, he, he's a beast out there, right? And he walks out, and everybody knows him. Everybody starts talking about the beard. Oh, my gosh, that beard's so killer, right? But i got to be honest with you. I'm really sad about this. But, but he's going, when he dies, the beard's going to go away. Oh, so sad. You're not going to have, he's not going to take it to heaven with him, right? Maybe God will provide that in heaven. I have no idea, right? But the physical glory and majesty of the beard, right, will go away. And the only thing that really will be left is the heart, the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's the thing that's eternal. Those are the things that God looks at. So when God looks at you, he's not so focused on the physical. He doesn't really see it. He says, hey, it fades, Everyone who's a little older is like, absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah, like, hey, man, man, we get in that place, right? It fades. But, man, you, you would say, man, your mind, your will, and your emotions are stirring with power, aren't they? Like, you know it, you feel it. It might not be quite as sharp as we once were, but, man, I still feel pretty sharp. I still, like people say, I've seen, my body's this, I still feel like I'm 30, I'm 20 years old. Why? Because eternal, a mind, will, and our emotions. So in this moment, it speaks to the entire inner being of thinking, desires, emotions, words, and actions. The heart is the center of everything. It speaks to the core of man's every action. So with this in mind, God is speaking about Asa and God, this idea of, of Hezekiah, and we see this. He used this phrase, wholehearted, fully committed in heart. Whose hearts, right? Whose hearts are fully committed, Asa said, wholehearted. And what it's speaking about, it's saying, I live my life under the dominion, the umbrella of God's lordship and leadership. That everything that happens in life on a professional level, I submit it to Jesus. Every relationship that I'm in, I'm wrestling with, 
Well, it's just submitted to Jesus. Every tension, everything in my life, you name them, everything that causes me tension, causes me anxiety, causes me frustration, causes me anger, right? Causes me sadness, causes me despair. All of those things, right? When we, they, they ultimately all are to fall because they are under our mind, our will, and our emotions are to fall under the umbrella of the Lordship of Jesus. That's the idea, right? Fully committed in my heart. Everything in my inner being, everything that I process, everything that I think about, everything that, I, that influences me, everything that I influence, right? It's fully committed. It's completely surrendered. It's handed over to you because you are the Lord of it. And so Hezekiah said, that's how I live my life. You know it. I had my moments. I had my failures. I had my moments going off the cliff. I'm like, oh, Jesus, right? And what the writer of Second Chronicles said was he was shocked. Asa's train, right, went off the tracks into the ravine and he landed and he died. He didn't flutter. He didn't have that moment. He didn't go, oh, because literally in my dreams, I've learned, literally, this is crazy. I've learned to say, oh, Jesus, I'm falling again. Let's land this together. Every time, I'm like, and I land, I'm like, see, I didn't die. Bam, take that, right? Under the lordship of Jesus. Oh, even in my dreams, it's great. We don't land. Bam, we, we oh, turn back around. So the idea is, Hasa landed. Why? Because it's hard in that moment, the things that brought tension, the things that brought frustration, the things that brought anxiety, the things that brought worry, the things that brought despair. He he tried to control, he tried to put it under the Asa umbrella. You've seen those pictures, right, of, the, of like an elephant with a little bitty umbrella trying to hold it up like this, like he's literally going to keep the rain from hitting him, right? That's how, that's what Asa was doing. We live with these little bitty umbrellas every day, and the idea is that, that, that the Lord, man, he's looking, he's looking. He's looking excitedly with great anticipation to strongly support those who live under the umbrella. Like this again isn't a conviction of a weight of guilt. It's a level of excitement because the Lord excitedly, like you'd be like, oh, where is he? Oh my gosh, where's the person? Where's this person? Like God is like with great anticipation, with great excitement, looking, ranging, looking throughout the earth to find those. Mm, right there, yes, Mike, I can take Mike right here, right? Like I can take Bob, I can do all, yes, I see him, I see her and I'm going to strongly support with a great excitement. I believe the Lord gets excited. It's that picture. I think Scott named a couple weeks ago from Song of Songs 3. It says, it says um, uh, my heart beats faster. My sister, my bride, my heart beats faster with a single glance of your eyes. You know, we, we interpret that a lot of different ways, but one way to interpret that is God looks and says, I'm just looking for those who are looking at me. I'm looking for those who are looking at me. I'm looking at those who said, God, I have no other source. I'm right here. Like, oh, your eyes. Yes, I'm excited. God, I can't wait. I can't wait to move. You're, you're going to trust me? You're going to trust me? Then watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I'm going to do. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm the Lord. I'm God. I'm king. I'm your father. I love you. Put you under the umbrella. Yes, Hezekiah. I will add 10 years to your life. So we did to Hezekiah. He added years to his life. Oh, my gosh. How awesome. Because his heart was fully committed. He surrendered himself in the moment. God is looking for people to work. Listen, God is not looking. This is important. God is not looking throughout the world to find people who will work for him. So much as he is looking for people who will let him work for and through them. That's a big shift. God's not looking for people to work for him. God is looking for people who will let him work through them. And that's a huge shift because I worked for God for a long time in my life. 
trying to make him love me, trying to produce the value and worth. I, where I was the elder brother all the time, trying to work, trying to work, trying to work, trying to get something from God. He said, nothing's looking. I just want to strongly support. I want to move through you. God is always moving, never sleeping. Listen to this part. Looking for people who live lives of invitation. Because he is eager to work for us, always looking to move through us, to bring breakthrough where it is needed most. Looking for people who live lives of invitation. Asa didn't live a life of invitation. Hezekiah lived a life of invitation. Go read his story. Something would arise near where he'd go straight to the Lord. He would submit it to God, saying, I can't, I can't. I can't figure it out. I can't do it. Got to submit myself to you. I ask forgiveness for getting angry. I ask forgiveness for my attention. I ask forgiveness for trying to control you and tell you what I want. I'm sorry. I've been wrestling with you, God, trying to beat you and win. Lord, you're going to let me wrestle, 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 wrestle until all of a sudden, God, I just give up to you, right? You're going to, that's how he works, right? And so in this moment, right, he's looking for people who just give up and say, God, it's yours. Everything belongs to you, right? That's the last, that's the, the living a life of an invitation. God, I, I give you all of those things. I give you all of those things, lives of invitation, those whose hearts are undivided, fully committed, living under the umbrella, right? One day this week I was driving, beginning to think about the life of invitation, the lack of invitation of Asa's life, and the reality of invitation has a kind of, I began to think about my life, my struggles, right? My ongoing struggles, my prayer life, my tensions, all these pieces, and I wondered, are my worries, anxieties, frustrations, tensions, etc. in my life simply a byproduct of a divided heart? Like the things I wrestle with on a regular basis, is it really a byproduct of my undivided heart? Am I praying about this, these things and asking God to deal with issues in my life that he can't move in because they are simply the results of my ongoing choices? Where I've not fully committed my trust and faith to Jesus. Where I worship God in one moment and then I look somewhere else immediately afterwards for satisfaction, for fulfillment, looking for another source. Like I felt like God was speaking this week as I was driving. Literally, it was like this like... It was one of those things, I, I, I was driving to meet my dad on Monday, and, and I'm just processing this. I get there, share it with my dad. I hop back in the car to drive back home. Randall sends me something she's been reading. It says basically the exact same thing, like these echoes of God's movement. I'm like, oh, my gosh, God's moving in this. So I began to realize, my gosh, how many of our own struggles, how many of our own sins, how many of my own tensions, how many of my own stuff literally God can't move in? Like I, I, I do something, it creates anxiety, and, God's, and I'm like, oh, God, fix my anxiety. It's like I can't. That was a byproduct of your choice. That's, I can't. Because you literally didn't surrender yourself in that moment. And so I, I, I'm letting the consequence of this happen, right? The consequence, what's that? I'm anxious and I'm worried like Martha. Martha, Martha, you're worried and anxious about so many things, right? Because you've made these choices. You have not submitted them yourself to me instead of just sitting at my feet because that's the only thing that's required. It's a message of surrender to the Lord. And I recognize, God, you allow anxiety, you allow worry in my life. We talk about the EHS. This is not new. We've been talking about it for about, for about 12 months, excuse me, 12 weeks, right, last, last year. The idea of God allowing these moments, these tensions, these frustrations, like he allowed in Ace's life, why? To turn us back to God so we won't land in the ravine. God says, that's a, that's a byproduct of your choices. And, I, and, and that's just what happens. I want to move. I can't. Your heart is divided. 
But if you will cry out and turn and give those things to me, right? So all my decisions, all the steps that I'm taking, everything in my life, everything at Vintage, everything in my marriage, everything with my children saying, God, I can't figure it out. God, I'm going to pray until I know how to obey. I'm not going to pray and then do it to my own strength. That's the message. I pray and I don't move until I know how to obey. Instead, how often do I pray and just keep on doing stuff? God, fix the anxiety as I go and make stupid things that cause anxiety. God, fix fix the anxiety as I do stupid things that cause anxiety. I see this as a reality in Asa's life. In his own mind, more than likely, Asa was probably unaware of his divided heart. He probably went to the temple, like I said, prayed, sang songs, but he lived with a divided heart, was unaware of its impact. His frustration, so he got frustrated and angry at the prophet. It should have been a wake-up call. He should have said, why am I oppressing the people whom I have loved my entire reign? But he didn't. He didn't wake up to the fruit the consequences of his own actions that God was allowing in the moment so we would turn him back to Jesus, turn him back to the Lord. God's looking for hearts. He's excited about those whose eyes are fully gazing upon him, who say, everything's under your lordship, Jesus. I submit myself undivided in the very essence of everything that matters in my being, God. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. But I will, I, but without falling off the ravine and, re, and realize it and wake up, I will turn back to you, God. I will continue to pray, and then I will listen to you until I know how to obey. I'll be honest with you. We're all really bad at this. Like, I'm speaking this and I recognize it's not landing fully with us because it seems so foreign to actually take everything in our life and just slow down so that God has space to speak into it. I mean, literally, it's like with our children, they're wrestling, we get frustrated. And so we try to, we, we, and we like run around like this, ah, 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 rather than saying, Jesus, I'm going to stop and like Tammy, fast and pray for three days, trusting that in that time you will speak to me because if I don't hear you, we will all die. That's the story of Hezekiah. How many times did he stop and he's going to die unless he prayed and heard God? Do you know how to do that in your professional life? Do you know how to do that with your spouse and Some of you have neighbors who feel like enemies. Do you know how to do that with your hobbies? The things that you enjoy doing? Do you know how to do that with your children? Do you know how to do that with your own heart? Do you know how to do that with your own temptations? God excitedly and actively looks to strongly support us. However, because of undivided hearts not fully committed to him, God is limited and what he can do for us. I read this. The Anderson talked about Francis Chan this morning. Just watched some random Francis Chan video last night talking about his conversation with some Jehovah's Witness. Have you, have you seen that? It's really, really, really kind of neat, right? And in it, he just he talks about his relationship with the Lord and da 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 da. And, but he like starts quoting all these verses because this lady goes, "We know God doesn't always hear your prayers." He goes, "You're right." 
Because if I'm, Scripture's really clear in First Peter, if I do this, then God, my prayers are limited. If I do this, then God doesn't hear our prayers, right? Because of our sin, whatever it may be, because of my, my own intention, because of an undivided heart, excuse me, because of a divided heart, right? He talks about these pieces. Now, now listen, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, it's so imperative that we actually wake up to the nature of our, undi- our divided hearts, God, of, of where we're looking our, like, What's your source for joy? What's your source for breakthrough? What's your source of, of, of victory? What's your source of, of peace? What's your source of true love, right? What's the source for you? What you go after for the fruit of the Spirit? There's only one source. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. Where do you go to find it, right? And so the Lord is saying, man, undivided heart, Asa, you were divided. Don't. Let's just wake up. So this morning, it's just... Like, how do you go after this? It's, it, to be honest with you, it's super easy, but it requires something of you. It requires something of you. So in our moments, number one, I don't have this on the screen, right? You're just going to write these down yourself. Don't remember them because you won't remember them. Write them down. If you're like, oh my gosh, this is speaking to me, all right? Number one, ask God where are your hearts divided? Listen, and then actually take the time to slow down and listen. Let me ask the wives real quick. How many of you love it when you need to talk to your husband and he doesn't have time for you? How many of you love that? Just put your hands up really high. If you have things you want to talk to your husband about, and he won't make time for you because he has other things he wants to do. How many of you love that? Husbands, how many of you love it when you have things to talk about with your wife and she won't pay attention because she's focused on the kids, she's focused on other stuff? How many loves that? Nobody loves that. So just recognize you can't have a conversation with someone and hear what they have to say unless you slow down long enough to actually listen and hear them. You slow down. You say, God, where is my heart divided? Do you know what would have happened if Asa had asked that? The story would be different. Let me, re- let me rewrite. Let me just rewrite under the, under the grace of Jesus this morning, right? What if we had rewritten that and Asa said, and Asa left, went back to the temple before the Lord because he was so broken about his, his, um, his putting in prison someone that he had viewed as a friend and as a companion for many years. He, he felt broken and convicted that he had oppressed men, women, and children who had been under his service for years. And in that moment, in sackcloth and ashes, he went to the temple and and repented. He recognized his train was falling into the ravine, and he repented before the Lord and asked for forgiveness. And then recognized, and God in that moment forgave him and then reminded him of his own disease. If he would simply turn to him and give that to him, that he'd be willing to move. And so Asa, with, with, with great compassion, ripped his clothes and said, God, forgive me for not even turning to you in my sickness. Thank you for waking me up. God, would you bring healing to our nation? Would you, would you forgive me for the way and things that I've done here? And God, would you bring healing to my disease? And God, that it was great mercy and great compassion looked upon Asa, one who he had known and loved for his entire life and said, Asa, yes, I will add 10 years to your life as I heal your feet. And Asa lived 10 more years of his life. And there's a great rule and reign that brought great prosperity to the, to the nation. And Asa in, in great joy died and went to be with his fathers. 
Like, I personally like that story a lot better. And I just literally made it up. I like it better. And so the eyes, right? God, what if Ace had come? said, God, show me, given space to hear. Number two, it's not rocket science too. Number two, just highlight your tensions that have defined your life for many years and recognize that's not God's will for you. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to live in despair. You don't have to to live in anger. You don't have to live in whatever it is. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Will any of those speak to and touch the great need that you have? Do you actually believe the Holy Spirit came? And if you do, then he wants to come and do that. And so we take along, we take enough time to say, say, God, I want to live differently in my relationship with you. I want to look at you as a lifestyle of turning to you. My heart and my heart, mind, will is fully committed to you, God. And where I'm struggling, Jesus, I'm asking grace, your help, your blessing, your ability, right, to, to become great at that by the power of your spirit inside of me. And then the third thing is that you don't stop until breakthrough has come. I don't know about you, but I can give up very easily. I can very easily turn back to things that I once knew. I can very easily go turn back to other stuff that will satisfy for a second. I can But I have to continue to press through and not give up. And you say, God, it's like the woman. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Like the woman. Remember the woman who's knocking on the door of the judge? I am not going to leave until you bring breakthrough and justice to us and our family. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to annoy you and pester you and get on your nerves until you finally open the door and you touch this moment and you bless it. I'm going to continue to sit here. I'm not going to give I'm going to literally, I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to stop. You know what God says? That type of heart blesses me because Scripture, Luke 12, because how much the, the, the father is a good father and he will not Give a serpent to those who come asking for something else, right? But he will give his Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you. We are lazy, apathetic, and self-centered people in the church. And I'll be honest with you. You may look at me on the outside of my cup and think, Oh my gosh, but not you, Steve. Let me let you in behind to see the inside part of my cup, right? This is the language of the Pharisees that Jesus used. Man, I know it. I'm not real proud of it. I know my apathy. I literally pray, God, give me endurance because I am defined by apathy. Always have been. Like, I am terribly undisciplined as a person. It's like number 34 out of 34 of my strengths, right? Like, I am not disciplined by nature at all. It's terrible, right? It's like Reynolds number one. Like, we never have tension over that at all, I promise, right? (laughs) Never give up. Never give up. And this is the prayer. God, 
in my own strength, you know that I will give up. But would you empower my not giving up? As I choose, Lord, as I arise, as Scripture says, arise and arise and shine. The light has come, right? Like, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead so that Christ can then flow. Like, God, I'm going to get up because this is right. Would you now empower my endurance? For us to be where we need to be, a fully committed, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the help of Jesus. We can't do it. That's the whole point. You can't do it. I can't do it in my own strength. Asa was trying to do everything in his own strength. Hezekiah wasn't. He reached that point. He was despairing. Like, God, he cried. He wept. But Lord. And God says, okay, I've heard. Like Isaiah literally came and said, you're going to die. Walked away. He said, you're going to die because you're going to die. It's just that season. And Hezekiah cried out to the Lord. And it says, Isaiah was walking off. And God said, go back and tell him his prayers have been heard. I'm going to extend his life. So Isaiah walked back and says, I was just kidding, man. It's a big joke. Ten more years, bro. Woo! Right? Now, man, God, just like I heard the heart's cry of, of a man whose heart was fully committed under the umbrella of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I thank you, God, that... That, Lord, it feels like it's hard to get to this place. And, God, part of that's the lie of the enemy, thinking that it's hard. God, the reality is, man, it's simply submitting ourselves, and then you do what you've been waiting to do and anticipating doing, which is moving strongly to support those whose hearts, mind, will, and emotions are fully committed, undivided in our attention and our affection and our finding you as our source of satisfaction, joy, and breakthrough. You oppose the proud, God, focusing on stuff. You give grace to the humble, Lord. You look for a fully committed heart, God. As those who cry out and ask you to help them to be strengthened in the fully committed heart, then, God, you come and you give us strength to be fully committed. So I just pray, God, today that you would take this word, Lord. It's like you've taken people who have been slumbering and you've shaken them up a little bit. And they throw, oh, 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 like kind of waking up and, and then, Lord, and, and you're trying to get their attention. Lord, I pray today for a great rumbling that awakens us to you. And God, I praise you, Lord, that when we awaken into a dream, then you will look angry. But if we awaken to the reality, you're always loving. It may be heavy but it's light at the same time because you're a God who loves. So I pray today you'd awaken us to the reality of Jesus. And God, I want to pray, Lord, as a shepherd and pastor of a vintage. God, we want to be an awakened people as a church. God, so that you now have a people, a church that you can move through and support mightily to do crazy and powerful things in our community, in our state, in our nation, and across the world. It doesn't take much, Jesus. So, Lord, have your way in us today. We pray this in your name. This morning, I invite you to respond. I invite you to let God bring a rumbling. I, listen, I invite you to be honest with God about where you have not 
given over to the lordship of Jesus, where you've lived undivided, where you've lived trying to be an equal with God, saying, well, I have a right to be angry with you, God. I have a right to be frustrated. I have a right to step back and make you prove yourself to me. I pray, God, that you would come and convict us this morning. God, you could do this work of convicting. Where are you looking for a, other places for a source, for the source of whatever God can only bring? Where is that? And be honest, but recognize his eyes are excitedly, with great anticipation, looking for those he can strongly support. His heart beats faster when he sees your eyes waking up and saying, Here, here, God, here I am, and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to help me to stay awake. Help me to move forward, God. I'm probably going to fall into a ravine again this week. Would you help me to turn back to you and make that happen less, God? We have to turn them. We have to slow down. We have to be honest. We have to press in. We have to not give up. This morning, if you want someone to come pray for you, ministry teams, man, they've already here. They're pumped about praying for you with great anticipation and excitement. They want to just come and love on you this morning and pray for whatever's going on, whatever God's putting his finger on, wherever you need help. Love you to come get prayer. Offering baskets are always available. Guys, it's been, God's been doing great things in our finance the last couple of months. I'll share that at a later time. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your act, listen, your act of worship and bringing these gifts before the Lord, saying, God, the money doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. You are the Lord over it. It's under your umbrella. I'm not going to control it. Communion is always available. Why won't we remember the gospel of good news, the sacrifice of Jesus, his resurrection, and let it remind us of the sending of his spirit to empower us. To invite you to respond as the Lord leads. I've got Kevin a minute to pray.